Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you got an extra buck or two that you wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Starry Music Podcast. Also consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by David Ellefson. Just because our hair is long doesn't mean that there's nothing under here, you know. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 80. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you again this week from the 715 Poco Wisco. Excited to send my new single, Dog Park, to Greg Ryerson from Rare Form Mastering, hopefully this week. The song features Luke Kramer, Scott Winham, Allie Gray, and Brian Johnson. Big thanks to this week's guest, Matt Kirkwald, for giving me a hand DSing the track. Wednesday, my solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota, was canceled due to another Minnesota Wild playoff game. Looking good for next week, though. Friday, Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked out at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota. Thanks, as always, to Tammy and to Stu's Warrior crew for rocking out with us. Saturday, I was supposed to have a show at Lucky's 13 in Roseville, Minnesota, but switching music to Thursdays and an earlier time slot, we happen to have this Saturday off. I spent it raking leaves at my family's cabin, swimming the dogs, practicing sugar blue harmonica riffs, and later on sipping on cocktails with friends I haven't seen in forever. Even got a late night ride on the USS Blake Radical. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, April 26th, 2017. I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 8 to 10 p.m. Thursday, April 27th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking out at the YZ Bar and Grill, a.k.a. the Muni, in YZ, Minnesota from 8 to 11 p.m. Friday, April 28th, I'll be playing a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota from 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday, April 29th, Brian Johnson and myself will be rocking out at Hacks Pub in Milltown, Wisconsin from 7 to 10 p.m. Sunday, I'll be doing an art and culinary show at Ready Randy's in New Richmond, Wisconsin from 5 to 8 p.m. is part two of three with nationally charted music producer, composer, and popular Minnesota guitarist Matt Kirkwald. We discuss Springsteen key changes, 
80s metal band logos, Megadeth, and stay tuned for a new song by Matt's metal band, Antiverse, from their upcoming under the Regolith record called Hallucigenia. Enjoy the conversation. Mr. Matt Kirkwald, welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Um, we're still here in Matt's awesome studio here in downtown Minneapolis at Rumble Music and did a great job in part one. Thought we'd keep going. Thank you. Hopefully I didn't get myself into any legal trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, we're cool, man. So you just bought a lap steel guitar? Yeah, first one. What uh, is this thing, man? It's. Uh, I'm kind of trying to learn how to play Hawaiian music a little bit, uh, like, like slack key guitar and... And the slide guitar stuff. I have a friend that's starting a tiki band. Oh, sweet. And, and so I, it's, a, it's a style of music I'm not particularly familiar with. So I found a, uh, um, this PV lap steel. It looks like a Jackson Kelly of all things. I didn't so even know it was lap guitar when I walked in here. I, it doesn't look like one. No. And so it, it's, I, just, uh, I literally just got it two hours ago. And now I'm going to start, uh, start digging in and see what I can figure out. Who's some big-time Hawaiian guitar player? That's a great question. I don't know. Uh, There's one guy, I can't think of his name, that's really good. I'm embarrassed that I don't really know. I'm so green. My friend Rick, the uh, the one of the owners here at Rumble, who is a massive um, encyclopedia of that style of music and, and, and exotica music and stuff like that. And uh, he's been uh, talking about starting this kind of a band for a long time. So he's just getting going on it now. And, and so uh, to me, it's kind of... Uh, it's it, it like the guitar playing style to me is a lot like a, a Brian Setzer kind of a thing. And so uh, that's probably mostly what I'll be doing. But I just, uh, for shits and giggles, was like, you know what? I'm going to give this lap steel part a shot, too, and see yeah. how it goes. But it's so green. I like. I don't know what I don't know yet. I'm just thinking of some lap, like, instrumental stuff. <clears throat> like Is Acker Bilk something like that? Maybe. Or else some, um, what's that, Sleepwalk? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that kind of, like, uh, Sleepwalk. Yeah, I think yeah. it's called Sleepwalk. Yeah, that's a no great idea. tune. That is literally like the extent of my knowledge of, of any of that style right now. So it's, I am way out of school at the moment. <clears throat> well, for the podcast, I'm going to find a Hawaiian music guy and get smartened up on, yeah, that, exactly. on that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, I wanted to ask Matt here. Uh, Matt's produced a ton of bands and done a lot of stuff. We'll get into all that too. Uh, but there was a massive tragedy that happened in the Twin Cities here this last week. Um Venue 13 is no longer having music, right? Nope, we're, they're all done. I went and attended the SOB show, and uh, today is... I'm, I literally am going to go there, I think. After, no, I'm not going to. I was going to. But their, their last night is tonight. Last, so, last is music. Is you going to be there? I have no idea. Huh. 
And you play with the SOBs. Yep. Yep. And uh, that's terrible. Like, has Jesse found a new place for that? Not yet. yet. No? Not yet. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure he'll. I mean, the band's been around for what twelve years now, and in that you know those venues, that place in the old Renegades have undergone new management, new ownership, new names. I mean, numerous times in the last fifteen years, and and so I. Uh, I, I have a feeling it'll it'll pick right back up for the SOBs in no time. Okay. When, when Jesse was on, he was talking about the songs he would like to do. You cover, <clears throat> like, whatever, Tom Petty and Johnny mm-hmm. Cash and that silly... Um, the World's Most Offensive Song. Yeah, I love that, that one. That song's I a great DJ'd song. DJ'd all the time. And we had one of his buddies did, like, War Pigs by Sabbath and stuff. Yeah, we just what, did that the other night. What, really? Yeah. What are your go-to songs when you play <clears throat> with the SOBs? Uh... I do a lot of, uh, not a lot. I do a fair amount of Springsteen. I love Springsteen. Like which ones? Uh, I'll do, uh, for that show, I'll do um, I'm on Fire and uh, and a Hungry Heart. Uh, I just, uh, Hungry Heart I love because it's kind of like an old uh, 50s kind of song. And I love the, I like singing Springsteen. Works well for my range. But then I love uh, Butch Walker. I'm a big Butch Walker fan. I don't know what that even is. Oh, I'll, I'll hit you to some Butch Walker. <laughs> Yeah, everything's going pretty par for the course. Got back problems, gray hair, craving a Porsche. If you make it this far without killing yourself, you got it made, though. Got a little place in Venice next to a lady with nine cats. Walk up at McKinney watching businesses collapse. It all reminds me when you moved here from New York, today. Uh, what else? I love one of my favorite acoustic songs uh, acoustic version songs of all time is overkill by colin hay uh men at work huh uh that one uh i was a that was the first record i ever got when it, as a kid was men at work business as usual and and uh but it's on cargo which is their second record but uh that i do that one almost every time i'll do um gosh i, I feel like question. when i'm playing do i can't you remember do the key change in hungry heart or no yes for you the guys, solo oh yeah do you really oh yeah every time Wow, yeah. we played. I just, I just plow through it. it. <laughs> the funny thing is, because I'm just, you know, I'll just, C-A-F-G, I'll take a G, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I'll, uh, you I just, make him I, do that change in there. And then I make, I make Jesse play the solo. So just like, a, like, you know, two seconds before the solo section, Jesse hit it. And then he's like, oh shit, there's a modulation. But he gets it every. He knows it now. But uh, isn't it in C? Then what's it go up to then? I think it modulates to F. Just up a half. Yeah, because oh. F D minor, G minor, C. Then it hits that A seven to go back to. Because I do it in D. So it, um, yeah, it goes from key of D to key of F. And um, but yeah, it was funny the first few times we did it because I just blew right through the. There's a solo. Oh, he yelled. I yelled. Jesse grabbed the solo and he thinks it's a. I don't warn him, of course. And then four bars in, oh, it's an F. And he's like, thanks. Just noodling the plates. He's like, whoa. The, the funny thing about the SOBs is that gig, that gig scared me more than any gig I've done in, in years. And the reason why is, uh, you know how people don't like playing in front of their families. They don't like, you know, like when you're kind of alone. I'm The, the acoustic thing scared me to death. Like I, over the past five years or so, I kind of started 
just doing it once in a while where I'd do an hour and open up for a friend's band. And, and Jesse would call me once in a while and I'd usually be busy. But uh, when Casey left um, for his uh, European backpacking adventures, um, there was always a hole. And, and I uh, last summer started talking to Jess. I go, I'd like to do this regularly, but I'm you know, kind of scared to do it because I'm used to being in a band and like my job is to play guitar and I'll sing a little bit. I'll sing lead some. But uh, just playing acoustic and having this massive repertoire of songs is not something I'm good at. So I did it from like July to the end of, of last year. And, and it was fun, but it was tough for me. And then I went away on vacation for a few weeks, came back in January and started doing it again. And uh, for some reason, that little break, everything kind of clicked for me. Like I came back and from January to this last April, I've had a blast doing it. And like, I, I missed doing it. My voice finally came back. Like, cause I was, I wasn't playing that much and I wasn't singing that much. So my, uh, I think that was me. Oh, it doesn't matter. But, um, <clears throat> so the SOBs has been one of the most challenging gigs I've ever had. Like it was cause it's, you're just like that all the time. You gotta be on your toes and I'd never done it. And so wow, I just, it was school for me, man. I was like, I got to get with it. So, uh, Interesting. and I just feel like now just recently I've, I've, I'm much more comfortable and relaxed and I'm not so uptight about it and I'm really having fun with it. I was looking you up on YouTube today. Dude, you're a shredder. I think I was some of the the fabulous armadillo stuff I yeah. saw you playing on there, and good harmonies. I was saying, man, thank you. If Burkhart wasn't sick, I would have called you ahead of time and said to sing harmony in my new song. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're a total shredder. And even I saw you on an acoustic. You're doing the Keith Urban cover. Yeah, and you did some some pretty intense acoustic work on that intro. Well, thank you. And I would have completely jumbled that up, especially on TV. You know, that kind of do whatever that, that you're that intro, whatever Keith that in, that Keith Urban intro. But that sounds awesome, Thank man. You. Um, but you're more comfortable in that big band, that big yeah. band rock guitar deal. It's huh? way, way it's been for a long time, and and uh, I've always been a I've always considered myself um, to be a great supporting player. I've always wanted, like my goals when I was starting out was I didn't want to, I never wanted to be a rock star. Like I didn't have that delusion. Like I always wanted to be a sideman. Like my goal, like when I graduated from music tech is like, I want to play guitar for, um, Cher. I want to play guitar for Billy Joel. I want to do something like that. Interesting. And, and the reason why was, um, I have a hard time staying interested in one thing at a time. Like I love so many different kinds of music. Like I love jazz i love blues i love straight rock and roll i love country i love uh, the most brutal death metal and all that stuff is a part of who i am as a player so i really worked hard at being a good singer but a good supporting singer like my mom would sing harmony when i was a kid like around the house and in the car and i just absorbed how to sing harmony so like i'm the guy you throw into a band and i will sing the right harmony with you all night long but i don't necessarily think that i'm a great lead singer i think i'm okay i'm definitely not a front man um but you stick me in those situations i will play the parts that make the band sound better like if the piano player is playing here i'm not going to play there if the, if the if the other guitar player is playing there i'm not going to play there 
So I listen a lot, and I and I think that's been very um, a, a good path because I think it helped me become a good producer too, because I learned how to hear how everything fit together, and uh, and I think it's kept me busy because I think the most important thing in being a, a in a band a, in a good band is knowing when and what not to play more than anything. Yeah, um, hockey was on this podcast, and he <clears throat> he told a story that I think he was at your house maybe. And you guys were all singing harmony stuff. Mm-hmm. That's and how Rocket you, Club started. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I guess maybe that's what it was. And I was, I was asking him. So, do you know like the third, the fifth, and all that terminology for all the harmony stuff too? I do. Or you just kind of hear it and go? Because I, I have no clue. I, I, I do, but that, but it's much more instinctual when you're on stage and you're and it's in the moment. Like, like the SOBs is is a great example of that because you may be playing with somebody different every night. But I do a lot of it with obviously Jesse every night and, and Tim Howe quite a bit and everybody's a good singer but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, just because you sang a part a certain way in another band that that's your job in that band so uh, you listen you you kind of maybe duck out of the first few notes to see what the other guys are going to do and everybody's eyeballing each other when in doubt stay out that's when in doubt stay out you don't you're never wrong if you don't do anything <laughs> which <laughs> which is not which is not a great way to go but you just find a way to uh get in so if for example if jesse's singing lead and and tim grabs the the, the fifth above it i'm gonna go for the third um or maybe i'll go below but it's it's just it really depends on where they're at and I'm going to go somewhere else. But you, with professional guys, you know it within a heartbeat. Like, okay, you're going there, I'm going here. Mm-hmm. And so all those kinds of things apply to not just vocals, but like, what are you doing as a drummer? What are you doing as the bass player? What are you doing as the rhythm guitar player? What are you doing as the keyboard player? Everybody has a, has a, a place they should be hanging out. And so I've really, I had a couple bands uh, really early on like the very first band I played with when I moved here was called Shane and the Wild Weasels, and Shane had a great ear, and he was really good at at um, helping me kind of find my way. Because I'd never really played professionally before. I was like eight, 19 years old and just playing with these dudes who were who had a good 10, 15 years on me and were just great. And so it really came to um, what can I do to make a living in this business? That's where I went right away. It's like, I need to be able to sing with other people. It'd be easy to work with. And I need to know a lot of styles of music and I need to play appropriately. And so like in a band like that, a cover band, we were doing everything from Ides of March to cream to tower of power to, um, black Sabbath to like, it was just everything. And so I'm playing, you know, the, the tower of power funk stuff. And then the next minute I'm doing Eric Clapton solos. And then the next minute I'm playing, you know, it just, it, you had to be able to function and function appropriately. And that's really what I've based my entire career off of. Huh. And I love all kinds of music. Um, and I think that's what keeps me happy in it. It's like, I love to be able to do this kind of gig one night, you know, an acoustic show the next night. I love to literally like two weeks ago, uh, I did, a, uh, I played with my metal band at the turf club. <laughs> Full-on thrash death Facebook, metal. The pictures look awesome. And the next night was acoustic stuff. Yeah, it was really fun. We played like some Flying V or something yeah, like that? Yeah, my Gibson. Or my uh, my Epiphone uh, Flying V. 
Oh wow! <clears throat> that that was those those pick, looked like an awesome fun show. Like you're just it was having really a total fun. blast. Um, so you said you're a you're a big Def Leppard mark or big Def Leppard fan too? Big time. That's I remember. I Are got, you Phil Collin guy then? No, uh, I'm more of a Steve Clark guy. Steve Clark. So you never showed up on stage just with your shirt off, like Phil. <laughs> 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 To anybody listening out there, be thankful you can't see me. Um, no, dude, not no, at all. but no, I would never. I've never gone with my shirt off. But Where, like, what day do you show up and like? I think I'm just gonna play this gig without my shirt. Okay, off. so so get this. Not only does he show up with his shirt off, he oils himself up and wears no shirt and has no shirt on. That's the thing. I like. I saw them when they were here two years ago with Tesla and. Uh, I love and Tesla. I love Jeff Tesla Keith, too. That's a good singer, man. That's a great. That to me was the 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 best. And most underrated band of the late '80s, early '90s. They oh. were just a great band. Wow, you talk about some guitar guys there. Even just the intro to "Love Song" is just—I think it's amazing. Yeah, was it Frank Hannon, Tommy Skio, or whatever his name is? Those guys were great, and they were a great rock band. They never kind of fell into that. Got to have big hair. Got to be all spandexed out because I hated that stuff. I mean, yeah. the, the bands that I really liked from that era were, you know, much more rock and roll. To me, Def Leppard was much more rock and roll, and they but they kind of blew up into a a pop band, but they were still good. But Tesla kept it real the whole way through. They were just a great American rock band and they never, I don't think they ever got enough credit. Does Jeff Keith still have his voice going? He's better than ever. What? He's incredible. After all them cigarettes, all them strip clubs he DJs at. He's so good. He's, he floored me. I was, I was very uh, shocked at how good he was. He sounded as good as any time I'd heard him 20 years ago. They didn't drop the key like no, 10 steps? No, not either? at all. <clears throat> he sounded great. I think they're coming back. Huh. Yeah, they've been touring really hard. Oh, I love, I love. What's some of your favorite Tesla cuts? Modern Day Cowboy. Trail, um, Heaven's Trail, no in, no in, no way, no way out. Uh, Little Susie, all those songs. I mean, even even the uh, their last big record with the more uh, they were getting a good amount of MTV coverage, like in '92 with um, what was that record called? Uh, uh, I, remember, I remember that song. Uh, great, get, nice. get what you give and stuff like that on it. And it's not what you got, it's what you. Not give. what you got, it's what you give, and that's a great song. I can't remember the name of that record, but it was a great record, and. Um, yeah, they just never quite... Technical Resonance or something like that? Yeah, it might have been. I, I get the album titles from that band mixed up. So, yeah. How yeah. about Def Leppard? Are you a Hysteria guy? Big time. But I like the old stuff, too. Like, I'm a, I am found them... I had a, uh, a... Was that Mutt Lang? Yes. Okay. Mutt did... God, did he do all of them? Up through Hysteria? I th- he might have. I can't remember. Because I, I know he did Pyromania for sure. And then on through the night and um, uh, high and dry. And I love. I, yeah, he did high and dry. And um, but I love those super super early ones. But I, that wasn't where I started because I was eight years old when or nine years old when Pyromania came out. And I, that was the first record where I realized I really like music a lot. Like where that's all I spent my money on. My buddies were buying GI Joes and stuff like that. I'm buying. I'm saving up to buy cassettes. Yeah. And Pyromania wrecked me. I, I must have gone through a thousand AA batteries on my Walkman just to listen to that record. 
and they have like even because I was old cassette guy too and collect all the Def Leppard, ACDC cassettes and stuff too. Um, they all had the cool logos back then. Oh, too. I know. Like, it's a timeless logo. Yep. And you think and they had that since the beginning? I yep. wonder who even did that for them. I don't know. It's a good question, but that's a and they had good artwork on their records too. <clears throat> I remember it drove me. They had that a style right away. They were the first band I kind of paid attention to. Where I noticed, like they had a thing, like you could, you could see a letter from their logo, and you knew instantly who it was. You could see just a fraction of an album cover, and you knew exactly who it was because there was a style that carried through everything. Yeah, exactly. In the same <clears throat> way with uh, Cinderella. Yep. I'd say Metallica had that Metallica logo. Metallica was really they ACDC had that figured had out. That logo. Guns N' Roses had that logo. I think you'll find that the, most of those bands, those, those classic uh, timeless bands that are going to be around yeah, forever, longer than us. Um, Got one thing figured out right away. Whether they intended to or not, they figured out their branding right away. It was almost like how hard these ad agencies work to try and make sure that we can identify a product with just a glance or just a, a quick snippet of sound. These bands not only had a sound, but they had a visual component, not only from their artwork and their and their um, their uh, merchandise, but like how they looked. That was all figured out. And like... I remember even bands would talk about, well, we don't have a look. It's like Metallica used to say that all the time. It's like, the fuck? You don't have a look, man. You guys clearly thought about how you looked, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, I really have a problem when I go see bands, and they just kind of look like they all literally just rolled out of bed and, and kind of showed up on stage. And it doesn't mean, I, it doesn't mean I show up for every show you know, with something in mind, but I really think that when you take the time to put all those elements together, how your logo looks, how your album artwork looks, how your merchandise looks, and how you look and, st- and present yourself on stage as a unit. If you take time to think about that, uh, the best outcome will be people won't forget you. Regardless of whether they like you or not, they won't forget you. And I think it's really important, and I think it's the most overlooked part of most bands. It's like, I know a lot of great bands who are just not memorable because it's like they just can't get that part together. Interesting. <clears throat> Another good logo band, such as Megadeth, um, Dave Mustaine said something similar when they were looking for a new guitar player. He looks for three things: attitude, mm-hmm. ability, and appearance. Yeah, it's That's an, what it is. It's no joke because, it, it, regardless of you know if it's a crazy metal band like that, even in the early days of Megadeth, and I was a, I'm a massive Megadeth fan, especially the early stuff. I can you pick love, a record? Uh, Peace sells. Uh, Peace sells and Peace sells and Rust and Peace are tied for second place for me. Or tied Rust for and first Peace, place. That's a song. Well, now the whole record, Rust in Peace, yeah. and then, but but Peace Sells, and it is, I think, might be the best record of that whole era. That whole thrash metal mid '80s era. Were you a countdown guy or no? Yeah, I liked it, but it was for different reasons. It was also, um, yeah, it was, but it, it had a similar reaction or a similar feeling that Black, the Black Album, Metallica record did, which is you guys are clearly trying to sell records now, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But for me, it, that was the falling off point, and it was really the falling off point for thrash metal. Period was ninety, ninety one, ninety two. It all just kind of went away. Have you ever met Dave Mustaine? Nope, but I don't know that I ever want to. Um, 
Because I loved him. I idolized that guy when I was a kid, and I don't ever want that to go away. Can I tell you a quick story? Yeah, let's hear it. I haven't told this in the podcast. I, I Anyway, so when I was writing songs, this publishing company in Nashville and going back and forth forever or whatever, and, and uh, I was walking down the street with some buddies, and it was raining, and I look, and this guy walks in this, this uh, <coughs> a barbecue place, and I'm like, I think that's Dave Mustaine. I'm like, what the hell, you know? And then so I was like, I, I love Dave Mustaine. I love Megadeth. Here I'm in downtown Nashville. I'm getting ready to meet some other guys. And we're going out and we're drinking, whatever. Just come from the stage or whatever. And, and uh, so I walk in there and it's Dave Mustaine. And he's sitting there praying around with a bunch of people around this, <laughs> this like sandwich of bar- so barbecue or whatever. And I walk up to him and I said, you Dave Mustaine? He looks at me, just scowls and kind of nods like this. And I said, uh, um, you want to step outside? Because I wanted to get a photo and like whatever. Oh my God. And he thought I wanted to fight him. <laughs> Jeez. And so, he, and so he's like, uh, he looks at me like, like I was like, no, 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 just for like a photo to say hi or whatever. And he's kind of nods or whatever. So we go outside and it's raining. We're standing around this corner or whatever. I think we're all smoking a cigar, <clears throat> a cigarette, whatever. And, and all of a sudden, Dave Mustaine's head pops out the door. Wanders over to us, nudges me on the shoulder, just like he's some regular dude. And we're That's like, hey, awesome. Dave, how you doing, man? And he was, I remember he was jacked up. That's awesome. He looked like a pro wrestler. And, and um, he's a big jujitsu guy. Oh, he was, and, and it was the, uh, like, exact. So we were talking to him. I said, I said, oh, Dave, what an honor. Can we get a photo? And he was, he goes to my bass player at the time. He goes, you smell like weed, man. <laughs> I was never had weed. I'm before. sure Dave knows what weed smells like. He goes, so you're fans of Megadeth, huh? And, you know all these songs and stuff. He goes, what the fuck are you doing in Nashville, Tennessee? <clears throat> so I go, I go, hey, Dave Mustaine, you're one of the greatest rock thrash guitar players of all time. What the, what fuck, the fuck are, are you, you doing, doing in Nashville, Tennessee? Tennessee? <laughs> Trying to get his girl or his uh, daughter a record deal, probably. Well, yeah, I think he lives there now. He was buying some amp. Anyway, so the total opposite of what like a lot of times you meet heroes and That's stuff great, that totally man. sucks. This one is a personal uh, experience. I got a photo of I could show you on my phone. He was great. That's he awesome. was cool. I'm so happy to um, hear that. And it was really interesting. Just he was really bundled up to me just like a buddy. And it was bullshit. And it was a really cool story. Oh, that's good. That's a great <laughs> You want to step outside? <laughs> yeah, I walked up to him. You want to step outside? And he's like, what? <laughs> that sounds like the beginning of like a song he'd have written in the mid 90s or something. Uh, oh, but God. that's great. I'm glad to hear it because a guy like that, he really is. It's like the reason. I, that I really fell in love with metal um, through early Megadeth, Metallica, like many of us did, but Megadeth especially. Like I really, there was something about those records that felt like not only was it really well constructed, it was an amazingly uh, difficult stuff to play, but it was also um, I liked the rock and roll nature of it. Like they, to me, that they were more rock and roll than than like Metallica and, and Slayer and Anthrax and, and Testament and all those bands. They always felt like, and to me, rock and roll is about the attitude and are the, it's a, a good rock and roll band always feels like it's going to fall apart at any minute. And they had that in spades, like <laughs> at any minute, like something was going to go wrong. But like uh, those early Megadeth records, especially the first two with Chris Poland playing lead guitar on it, that really had a massive influence on me. Like that didn't, nobody played like that. I mean, he was... I, I made a, 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 I figured it's something out about Chris Poland and his lead guitar playing style like many years after I listened. This is like two years ago I figured it out. Chris Poland is essentially a blues, he's a blues jazz guitar player and by trade now and, he, and he's always great. And But he ended pretty much every solo on every Megadeth record that he did with a major third. 
So everyone had, you know how blues players always kind of do that minor third to major third bend kind of sound? Yeah. To, you know, to, uh, you know, it's pretty tense in, in, a, in a minor song to go to a major note. But he would bend like a blues guy at the end of almost every solo. He would bend to this happy note. But the music going by, it's just blazing and angry and brutal. But he, every solo was this crazy Alan Holdsworthian kind of solo, but he would always end a note on a happy note, which is just the craziest thing. Like, I don't know another guy that played like that in that style of music. Like, he, it kind of it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Like, I didn't notice it until I heard their cover of uh, Ain't Superstitious, the, the Jeff Beck and Rod Stewart thing. <laughs> Jeff Beck does that all the time, you know, but it makes sense in blues music. It makes sense in rock and roll to end on a kind of happy note once in a while. Uh, Daniel calls that church. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. And, 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 and so that sound really affected me and really influenced me. Like it really wanted me to explore. That's why I got really interested in guitar playing. It's like, okay, there's more to this than just minor pentatonic. I want to learn how to make these other notes sound kind of crazy, which is how I got into uh, poorly playing jazz and studying jazz and and learning about you know other musicians that knew how to bend notes like that a couple more megadeth ones are you marty friedman guy I love marty marty's incredible i uh i've been i was listening to marty get this so i was a massive marty friedman jason becker fan when i was a kid because i get the shrapnel records so i had the dragon's kiss record the marty friedman solo record that came out on shrapnel and uh, i still listen to it at least a couple times a year and i and i remember reading in a magazine that uh, Jeff Young got fired from Megadeth, the guy that came in after Chris Poland. Yep. And he played on uh, So Far, So Good, So What? Um, another, another great another record. great record. I love oh, that. That good. record really sounds like it's going to fall apart at any minute. <laughs> but it's a great record. Great songs in there. I really wish Dave wouldn't have remixed and mastered those records because um, they're hard to find the, the originals now. But anyways. Next time I see him in Nashville, I'll tell him for you. No, I'm sure he's heard it a thousand <laughs> times. He knows he shouldn't be mixing records. But... Um, Anyways, I had this thought while reading that article, and it was like Metal Edge or something like that. Um, I go, man, they should hire Marty Friedman. I like to say this in my 15-year-old, 16-year-old brain going, Marty Friedman would be great in Make a Death. And he'd be so good. And then, Are you serious? I'm not kidding. Uh, and, uh, or, and I said, or Jason Becker. Jason would be great too, but I think Marty's got the right sound because Marty always had that crazy, those got crazy phrasing. Like he would pick notes, and that that was another guy like Chris Poland who would just grab notes that I wasn't used to. Like these are not minor; these aren't just like minor scales. These aren't just my pentatonic scales. These are exotic things, and it really attracted me to those guys. So I learned as much as I could from those guys when I was a kid. So I learned all that Marty Friedman stuff on Dragon's Kiss, or as much as I physically could play. And I wished to God that he would join Megadeth. And he did. I can't believe you just said that. That's a, that's you are a total Marty Friedman fan. I love wow. Marty Friedman. Okay, so one guy I have on my list of of, <clears throat> of I'd love to get on my podcast someday. Your bucket list list. I have you know whatever mm-hmm. he's on that would be because he's from the city. Dave Ellison. Oh, Dave. Yeah, he's from the cities. I know he or I I, I think he's from Minnesota. He's from. He blew Blue Earth. Something like that. My old boss, he went to high school with him. 
And <clears> I know he sits there online and puts stuff on Facebook all the time, jamming. I'm like, I would love, because I don't know how many podcasts are going after him. I would love to get a hold of that guy. I bet you could get a hold and, of Dave. And, and pick his brain. You should contact his management company. He has a record label and a management company that oh, that looks after, a, uh, I think they're... Um, I think they're rather easy to get a hold of. Like, I think they would respond. Oh, I'm going to look that up. Anyway, I'd love that. Okay, this has been a great... Okay, Matt Kirkwald, thank you so much for being on the Mark Stair Music Podcast Part 2. So, story behind the song segment. Is there a song you produced I could tag at the end of this that might be fun? Then we'll talk about all that the next episode. Oh, yeah, I'll give you something. (laughs) I don't know what yet. I got a... A song that Matt Kirkwald produced will be at the end of this podcast. Well, the biggest one is the the Quad Drive record, obviously. I'm going to ask about that next episode. We'll just talk about that next episode. But I'll give you the new Antiverse song. What's that? I'll give you the song from my new from a new record from from my metal. Oh, perfect! Yeah. Oh, that'd be perfect. Awesome. Okay, please tune in next week for part three. for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. (laughs) 